another episode of Uncorked. Today I'm joined on the mic by someone who I am honored and privileged to call a dear friend. Yet to the rest of the world, she's an award-winning director, a seriously rad hunter, a forager, and an adventurer of so many kinds. Andrea Wing and I happened to cross paths back in the day of Lululemon and have gone on to, you know, ride gravel bikes together, explore new places, And most of all, I've had a bit of a backseat to some of her wild success. She's back at the Whistler Film Festival. She started really interesting projects with really interesting people, formed a very cool side hustle, in all of which we always ask, where the heck does she find time? And most of all, inspiration. I wanted to get Andrea on the mic to hear firsthand from what it's like to be in the film business as a female, as someone who works really long hours, all in the name of a 20-second shoot. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I sure did. Winger, welcome to the pod. This feels like a long time coming. Many bike rides have provoked many questions that I thought if I could get Winger on the mic, these are the questions that I'd want to ask. So I'm really grateful that you said yes. I think that this should have happened on the bike, not like this, but anyway, uh, maybe yes. next time. Maybe next too much wind time. Noise. <laughs> too much wind. I'm sucking your wind. Um, can we dive in? Can you introduce us? Who are you, Andrea Wing, aka Winger, to many of us? Yes, Winger is the handle. <laughs> Winger. I uh, have been going by Winger. It's been interesting. Now my Zoom name is actually Winger, and then when clients get on, they're like Winger. It's a bit <laughs> awkward, but anyway. Um, yeah. So I. A commercial director and I work for a creative agency up in Whistler called Origin and then I also run a production company on the side with two friends and that production company is called Well Traveled and um, between those two activities I am quite busy but love every minute of it. I do a lot of work for outdoor brands so I create content And what I do is help bring sort of their marketing messaging to life in a unique, playful and dynamic way. Hmm. Gosh, I love it when people introduce themselves and it always feels so important to hear the authentic words behind the human. And if I were to introduce you, I would say that you like to shoot things and you like to adventure and play and you really love your horse and living Mm. in nature feels so perfect for you. And so then when you go and create in nature, it feels so congruent. And I'm like, I wonder if it could be any other way. And I can't imagine how work would feel if it didn't feel like play for you. And I love that Mm -hmm. you do inject that into your work. Okay. And can we just take it back one step in like super layman's terms, you're a commercial director. And I am like, what does that really mean? What is involved from start to finish for a commercial director? Well, there's lots of different types of directors out there. So I work in the film video space and 
what that means is that I basically make commercials and that could be a 30 second or a 15 second Instagram spot, or it could be a 20 minute documentary. And so I do everything in between. 15 seconds to 20 minutes is very different. I know. I don't like the 15 second stuff, but (laughs) that's the uh, byproduct of today. Can you cram in three messages in this 15 second Instagram spot and, you know, make sure our brand essence comes through. And so that's the goal of marketing these days to try to condense a lot of this beautiful storytelling down into, you know, these short little spots that are digestible, I guess. And I'm not saying I like it. It's part of it, but I basically manage the creative from start to finish. So that means working with a small team that could be a writer, creative producer, and we work together to figure out a creative approach for often a client, so a brand. And from that point forward, it's my job to make sure that creative vision comes to life. I will be there through production, of course, and order people around on set. No, I don't order people (laughs) around. I gently encourage them to get their ass in gear. And no, I and then I carry it through post production, working with editors and color teams and sound designers, and hopefully in the end we have a beautiful piece of content. Gosh, out of curiosity, what does it mean to you to be a female in this role? Are there many other females that have a similar role in your industry? Yeah, that's a good question. There are a lot more female directors, less so in the outdoor space. I would say I work for origin the agency I work for is run by two amazing women but in terms of the film and video space it's limited and that is sort of one of the reasons why I started the side gig the side hustle is to really bring more women into that space and my friend my business partner Darcy and I it all originated with some film camps that we were putting on. We called them Moonlighter Film Camps, teaching small groups of women how to look at film a little bit differently or content. And so we taught women about storytelling, about camera, about editing. And we're like, hmm, this is kind of fun. And then it all sort of snowballed into like us taking on projects and hiring other women and underrepresented people in the industry and really wanting to make sure that women had the chance to create reels for themselves. Because without a great reel, it's really, really difficult to get your foot in the door. Mm. Because of course, like I do a lot of hiring of talent in my job. And when I look at somebody's website, I immediately go to their previous work and I'm like, what have they done? Who have they shot for? And typically, I guess in the past, women haven't really had a lot of opportunity to sit at the table and And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get a lot more female talent in the mix. And it's been a really great journey. I love that you speak highly and and so positively of it. And as we started this podcast and shared, you know, really, this could have been a conversation recorded on a bike. And I think it's because the times that I get to ride bikes with you are typically times that you're not shooting because Mm -hmm. you're home. And yet, there are also times that you return from being away and you're like, I need a minute. I'll come out of like hibernation in 24 hours. And so on the (laughs) other side, it's not that by any means women are not fit for the job. I'm just curious 
as a human being, forget your gender, even how are you recovering from what's asked of you, what's needed of you to be a director in the outdoor space? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I really, really get energized from my work typically, which is a great thing. And I think the heavy lifting for me comes in the pre-prod or the creative development phase where you're trying to pull all the pieces together. That for me is like where the magic needs to happen. It needs to happen at that early stage of the game because if that's not super dialed going into production, you're it's going to be a mess. And so I go through days where I'm like, I feel totally creatively tapped out because like many jobs, the demands are sometimes all in this creative space. Be creative now. Like come up with this super creative idea, like super quote unquote cool commercial right now. And that's really, really hard to do for me behind a computer screen. I feel like the computer just like zaps any sort of (laughs) creativity from me and I need to lie on my couch, my thinking couch, or go for a walk with my dog or do something that is not in computer world. So that's one way that I try to like just settle myself down because I can sometimes sort of get caught in that spiral of trying to do all the work behind the computer. And that's ridiculous. Production days are typically quite involved. Like they're usually 15, 16 hour days. By the time we wrap, dump footage, talk about the plan for the next day, look at the shot list and do all the things. And so after four, five, six days of that, I get home and I'm like, oh my God, I'm done. You know, and my partner has had to pick me up at the airport sometimes or meet me. And she's like, okay. (laughs) puts me into bed and it's taxing and fun and I get a total high off of working and bringing a team along in a similar direction to execute a creative vision is really that's a good time and it sounds overwhelming but it's like really entertaining once all the pieces of the puzzle come together and you're like oh my god because this vision that you had maybe three months ago is like starting to come to fruition and you're like this is so great and I'm sure this is very applicable to other people's jobs as well, but it's definitely a high. And then when you get home, you're like, Whoa. yeah, you finally ex- exhale. And 24 hours later, I call you Corker and I'm like, oh, we need to go for a bike ride. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I made up 24 hours. Is it like a window of 24 hours of hibernation to return or can it be a week? Like, what does it really look like? Because you're full. And I'm like, do you allow yourself that time in a full calendar Are you like, I'm going to put a side hustle on hold. And like, we just came back and I just look to you, your team, what you're creating, what you're pumping out, what goes into a 20 second commercial or Instagram reel for that matter. And how do you manage your creative energy? Oh God. I honestly think luckily that my day job, I guess, (laughs) for lack of a better (laughs) term, origin does a really good job of allowing that balance to happen. I could feel a limitation in myself where I'm like, after Mm. like 12 hours of work, I'm like, done. And now I need to go exercise. And honestly, exercise for me and outdoor time is like, if that was it in my life, I don't know if Mm. I would be able to do what I can do or what I have done. And 
operate in a healthy way. My partner is very good at making me do that. All right. Even actually my dog, kudos yeah. to Snowball, because Snow will come over and be like, okay, enough. And I think super important to find that sort of regulation in your life and be diligent about incorporating that in your schedule, because I can tell if I do go away for four or five, six days and my schedule gets a little bit out of whack and I'm not exercising and maybe not eating the way that I'm normally eating, I get a bit spazzy and I can tell like, oh yeah, this is not sustainable. And I feel like I have a pretty good flow now. I feel like I can, yeah, accomplish a lot. I mean, Mm. I know what needs to now at this point in my career, what I need to work on, when I need to work on it, and when focus mm. needs to go on specifically, and when I need to dig deep. And I think when I was earlier in my career, I floundered a little bit and maybe put energy into things that didn't need to necessarily happen at that time. And I think now I'm really good at focusing on what needs to be solved. Yeah, amazing. I'm curious if you have a sense of like ratio or time. When you speak of creating something that's, let's say, 20 seconds, how much goes into a 20-second output, just for context? Oh, God. Like, Um, is it eight hours to create? I don't know if I can come up with a ratio, because it really depends. Like, I don't want to get too nerdy here, but it really depends on what the bigger, like, is this a big campaign? And then the 20 seconds is an offshoot of the larger campaign, or is it a standalone 20 second piece of Mm. content that you're dumping all your time and energy into? And honestly, like 20 seconds could be a cut down from a larger piece, or you could put all your energy into that one 20 second piece. And in that case, like, honestly, I would probably say minimum a day to do something well in in 20 seconds. Yeah. Like if you're really trying to like hit all the messaging and create something super dynamic and then edit it well and find out what's trending and like all the things. So honestly, we have a social team at work that does a lot of this social content. So yeah. I feel myself moving further and further away from having to do a lot of that thinking in that space, because honestly, it's a struggle. I feel mm. it's not where my like, heart beats fast. Durr. <laughs> yeah, fair. I feel like I don't spend a lot of time in that space. I feel mm. like for me as a storyteller, it doesn't scratch the itch, you know? Okay. And cool. I'm very clear about, no, I don't actually don't want to work on that. I'm not interested. I don't want to do your cut downs. And sometimes I have to, but like, I really will not offer those services because yeah. it's like, nah. You, yeah. you can find somebody else who is passionate about social content. And unfortunately, that's not me. You yeah. want me to tell a great story? That's me. You yeah. Know? And yeah. Uh, I'm happy to throw all my energy into that. But yeah. So Yeah. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Because I wanted to next go to looking back, what is a story that you are most proud of creating and sharing with the world? Uh, I just finished one, actually about a friend of mine Sid and the film is called The Trap Line and it's actually playing at the Whistler Film Festival oh by the time this airs well I've played at the Whistler Film Festival and I feel a little bit in love with both characters so it's a story of this old timer his name is Jörg and he's an old Swiss fella 
and he ran a trap line in the Yukon for 30 plus years. And he wanted to retire and hand off his trap line to somebody he trusted. And my friend Sid, she had a huge amount of heart and energy to take on the project. And she's a geologist by trade. So that's her day job because nobody makes a living trapping anymore. And it's a story about their friendship and her commitment to making sure that she takes over his line in a way that he would be proud. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful shooting in the Yukon was a really, really incredible experience. It was minus 40 for five days. And that was a learning. And then seeing just how strong this woman, like she's just this incredibly understated female who has so many skills that I don't have so I am in awe of somebody Mm -hmm. who can go out on her own into the middle of the wilds of the Yukon with I guess her sled and her gun and be totally okay and minus 40. I feel like every time I tell the story I sort of am quite obsessed about the character in the moment but it was just a really special project and I feel very um, happy that people are willing to invite me into their lives and Mm. trust me enough to tell the story because that's and I feel a huge commitment you know I feel like I need to get it right I need to get the Mm. tone right I need to get the the essence of who they are right and so it's a really really entertaining journey it almost feels like an incredibly intimate career because in order for the authenticity of the person to truly come out like you're not creating actors you're creating stories of real life and even for brands you know you want their vision to come to life through humans most of the time. I mean, I feel like your work has a human in it in some way, shape or form. And that is really special. Wow. How intimate to be on the, on your side of shooting. Yeah. I I credit my brother for a lot Mm. of my listening skills Mm. because I think he forced me to be a listener. He was a big personality and I feel very interested in people regardless of where they come from and I really want to get to the essence of who people are mm-hmm. and understand yeah, what motivates them and I feel like if I can find a way to disarm people slightly there's mm-hmm. a really good chance of them offering me a little mm-hmm. taste of who they are and so that, I guess that's been my goal is just to really work on how to do that and how to do mm-hmm. that well and I, the other day yeah. I was talking I recorded a, another podcast with a friend of mine and I said I credited a lot of the skill in the interpersonal realm to my time tree planting because Mm. I crew bossed and I supervised tree planting camps and I came across so many different personalities that I had to motivate and understand and that job pushes people to like the edge and it forced me to find ways to like console and to motivate and to like do all these things yeah it was a very accelerated schooling and yeah dealing with multiple personalities and so I feel that was a great foundation and yeah my job is really now managing personalities whether it be people on set and crews on set or you know finding ways into people's hearts and Mm. making them tell tell them Yes, your human development journey via tree planting, because you have to console, motivate and repeat hours and hours and hundreds and hundreds of trees. That's what's happening over there. Okay, well, I have two last questions because I need to counter looking back on the work that you've done. 
now if and the reality is the world is your oyster you could tell anyone's story you could create a new future what story has not been told that you would love to create or produce and i don't want any trade secrets here so if there's a proposal out or something's happening for something that is truly a dream that's on the dream docket don't talk about that for us keep that because that will come to fruition I want to know about the one that hasn't yet been crafted, the person that you look to to say, if I could tell that story. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was driving and I'm like, where do I want to spend my time? And Mm. I think that's typically how I decide what I want to work on next is like, Mm. where am I in my life? Like Mm. what sort of environment do I want to spend my time in? And right now, I want to be around horses. I want to be outdoors. Mm. I want to be with amazing women. I don't want to talk about gender. I just want to show mm. some badass women doing amazing things. And so there's something in and around unconventional lives. I think that's brewing for me and finding women that sort of fit into that box, sort of living on the fringes of what may be considered normal. Mm. something like that is in the works for me Mm. I I don't know if I could pinpoint a person because it's not like I have a celebrity crush or anything like that Mm -hmm. that would be of interest but I think it's just like sort of the understated humans of the world that are doing Mm. really incredible things that sort of Mm -hmm. of maybe don't get recognized Yeah. yeah yeah Okay, well, if one day I get to manage um, Winger Incorporated or Well-Traveled or not even manage and just put my two cents in, I think there are two really incredible stories to be told that you would be so exceptional at. And the story on the surface would be the story of Yvonne Chouinard, founder of Patagonia, Mm -hmm. and the story of David Suzuki. And the commonality between these two men is that they are 80 years old, They've devoted their entire lives to incredible, incredible work in nature. And I know those two men and the women that have been around the success of those two men are phenomenal. David Suzuki was passed over to his daughter. His daughter lives in Haida Gwaii, married a First Nations man. There is such rich, rich history. And I'm like, who is going to tell David's story? fingers crossed with all the love in my heart before he passes and like Mm. catch David on camera. I mean, I know he does work with CBC and then Yvonne's family has been so involved and the former CEO is Rose. Did you know Rose? I never met Rose, but Darcy, my buddy is good friends with Rose. Do you know that she married a Canadian and her partner lives on Vancouver Island? And she thinks that Canada is just like the best place ever. I mean, of course it is. Of course it is. Anyway, I'm like, can you tell stories? And the kicker though, was like not stories that we need to hear about more men. And again, to your point, it's what if it's not about the men and like how their lives made their mission possible mm, yes. before they passed it on. And I think there's something really special to you about generations and how you speak about your family, your brother, and even the younger generation. And I'm like, will they care? Will the younger generation care about these people that they might look at and consider grandpas? I hope so. And really like to make people care, you just need a great story. Yes. 
And so, yeah, I, yes. I can see where you're coming from 100%. There was um, a woman who lives in Lions Bay that I started to tell a story about because she is used to be a commercial fisherman. Uh, so yeah. she came from a long, long lineage of commercial fishermen. And now she's fighting to save the salmon and get the fish farms out of the ocean because everyone here has probably heard rumblings about how open pen fish farms are not great for juvenile Pacific salmon. So she dresses up in a salmon suit and goes and protests. And I'm really, really compelled by older characters yeah. who have lived lives that in a lot of ways, maybe society dismisses and mm. yet we have so much to learn, you know, and mm -hmm. I think the indigenous culture mm. is way more ahead of the game when it comes to recognizing the power and the intelligence of our elders. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's for me, like, yeah, I, I am definitely motivated. So I hear what you're saying and those are great ideas, yeah. Crocker. No, generational storytelling. I mean, it's how we grew up, right? Listening and hearing stories. And the shame is now people will hear stories through 20 seconds. And I always want the 20 minute story. Don't give me a story in 20 seconds. Make it at least 20 minutes, 20 hours right? for that matter. Yeah. 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 Tell me a story. Okay. Our time has gone over. I just couldn't stop hearing you speak. And I love your stories. I love how you see the world and how you see humans for who they are. And I think one mm. of the coolest things about you that you rarely ever speak of is your innate curiosity to your point, like really understand a human and understand the human that we might not all see. And so mm. I know that you're not interested in anyone's 20 second reel of their life and you want to know what they'll do 20 hours into their day. And I think that's really, really cool. Mm. And with that, Thanks, I need 20 seconds of what's making your heart beat faster. <laughs> Oh my God, I just drank an entire pot of stovetop espresso. So that, okay. that what makes my heart beat faster these days. I've like really hit my stride. You yes. Know? Okay, say and, more. And I'm waking up. You know when you get to the point in your life where you're like, things are just where they, like I've worked a long time to like get to the place where I have, choice and the ability to mm. do what I love and I feel like it's all coming together mm. so I wake up very enthused mm. and I feel very lucky to say that and I have a lot of zest right now for life and what I'm doing and where we're at and yeah the heart beats all yeah. the time heart beats it doesn't take much for my heart to be faster so that's a good thing that's magic. Winger, thank you for every second. And I'm grateful for conversations on the bike. I'm grateful that we could hit record on this special conversation. And when this goes live, we will have celebrated you at the Whistler Film Festival. And that feels very, very cool. So thanks for being such a rad human. I'm grateful I get to call you a friend. Mm, thanks, Parker. I love you.